special live edition of the Lachlan Giants podcast. Special guest is Deanna Tano. We're taking your questions. We're talking OTAs and anything else that's on your mind related to the Giants. That's coming up next. You are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Giant fans? Welcome to a special live edition of the Locked on Giants podcast. I am your host, Patricia Trena. I appreciate you making us one of your first listens or first watches of the day. I know we're coming a little late than usual, but still all the same. Appreciate you listening and tuning in. And of course, as promised, I am joined by the entertainer, Mr. Chris Glozo. Stand up, my friend. <laughs> Stand up, New York Giant fans. Uh, super excited to be back on, Pat. Um, haven't had a whole lot to talk about on my channel because it's kind of the slow time right now. Obviously, you 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 know you're you're at the OTA, so you. You have more information regarding that and, and providing us with it. So I'm really curious to get your take on some of the things you've seen. Uh, and I'm just really excited for uh, this season to get underway. I mean, it's going to be here before you know it. And we got a lot to look look forward to with the rookies and uh, the new coach and uh, the new offensive coordinator. So it, it's going to be a really fun year uh, c- coming up for the New York Giants. Plus, it's Daniel Jones' birthday. Yes, it is. He turns 25 today, the birthday boy. Let's hope he balls out this year. I really want to see him ball out. I would love it. I would not. I would love nothing more than to see Daniel Jones throw thirty touchdowns and have nine plus wins this year. I would love it. I would love that too. All right, we got a lot to talk about. As always, folks, get those questions in. We will try and get as many of your questions as possible. If you want to know about the OTA yesterday, it was open to the entire media. Um, and then, for those of you not aware, the rest of the, the offseason schedule, as far as the general media is concerned. We have one more OTA that's going to be open to all the media. That's next Thursday, I believe. Then the following week, we've got a three-day mandatory minicamp. That's when we're really going to start to see, I think, a lot of stuff. That will just be open to the media. That's not open to the fans yet. But the good news is, is it looks like, as of now, it looks like training camp will be open to the fans. So uh, fingers crossed that this COVID virus and uh, monkey virus and all these other viruses that are popping up that they stay low and don't get in the way of all this stuff. But there's going to be plenty of stuff to talk about on uh, about the Giants, including uh, a preview that hopefully the entertainer and I will be able to do before we send you off into the summer break. So lots and lots of stuff. So that being said, Christopher, I want to start off since yesterday was all kind of all about the defense. We got to meet the uh, defensive coaches. Wink mm-hmm. Martindale spoke. And obviously the big takeaway from Wink Martindale's presser is we're going to be bullies. <laughs> and, you know, you, you go and you listen to that and you, and, and you think back to how the Giants defense has been, you know, the last several years, they all talk, you know, James Betcher, Patrick Graham, Steve Spagnuolo, they all talk about being aggressive, but not all aggressiveness is the same. Mm-hmm. When you hear, Wink Martindale say, we're going to be bullies. We're going to dictate to the offense what they do rather than have them dictate to us. You know, what goes through your mind when you hear that? Yeah. I mean, as a, as a fan, I think most fans are going to be excited. It's, it's more, it's more fun to watch a more aggressive defense uh, the last couple of years, even though I like Patrick Graham, it's, it was more of a conservative defense, but I think it played to the strengths of the football team. Uh, but I'm excited. I'm excited to see what he could do. But at the same time, I do have some concerns that I'm sure we'll talk about throughout the stream. 
regarding what how aggressive I do think Don Wink will be. Uh, some of the things I took out of that, he he absolutely loves Kayvon Thibodeau. Some of the things he said about Thibodeau, um, I think, you know, he, he said he's been in love with him since day one. So, as he should be, I think he's going to be a freak for the Giants. So, I'm excited about that. But, yeah, I'm really excited to see. The biggest question mark I have with Don going into the year is, is he going to be able to adjust? Is he going to be set in his ways and always be super blitz heavy? Or, if the New York Giants have some coverage issues, which I think a lot of us fear is at least possible, is he able to adjust? Not to say that he shouldn't be aggressive when it when it's called upon, but at the same time, you have to play the strengths of your defense. Right, and that actually aligns with this question from Wolf Zay, who obviously on, a, on another show of mine uh, this week, I spoke about will Don Martindale be too aggressive? You know, will he be too set in his ways or will he adjust based on what he has? And I didn't get the, the question in to, to uh, Coach Martindale, but – I did speak, you know, we also had the other defensive assistants available and the general feeling I walked away with is yes, they want to be aggressive, but they're not going to be to the point where, okay, you know what, we're going to just keep rushing at the quarterback and we don't have anybody in the secondary. So, you know, but the heck with that, we're going to keep going at it. They're going to be smart about it too. So there's going to be some kind of a balance, but I think they're going to err more on the side of let's be aggressive. Let's get after the quarterback that was the general takeaway I got from speaking to the various defensive coaches, by which, uh, uh, by the way, I got an interesting story to tell you, Chris. I got I to share this one with you. Um, Drew Wilkins, who is the outside linebackers coach, really super guy, by the way. We got we got to obviously talk to him. And then afterwards, he hung around and he was, you know, shooting the breeze with a bunch of us. And he mentioned that he follows a bunch of, you know, uh, I guess, media members and content creators on Twitter. He doesn't, you know, you you can't tell that it's him because he's got, you know, some Oh, he's got of, he's got like a burner account. I I guess you could call it a burner account. But anyway, yeah. I was like I'm like, "Oh, that's cool because you know, I'm sitting there talking with him and he goes, "Yeah." He goes, "You remind me actually to do my Wordle every day because I do Wordle every day." And I post my results most times, you know, when I remember to do it. <laughs> I see that. I see that. On and he, yeah. he and, and he goes, man, you're really good at Wordle. And he says, you remind me to do my Wordle. So that's how I knew he wasn't, you know, he, he, he was straight up on that. But really great guy. Very helpful. All those coaches yesterday um, and, and, you know, the offensive coaches as well. I don't want to leave them out, but just a really, really good staff based, you know, based on what we're hearing so far. Now, obviously, they haven't played any games. Um, we'll see how things develop, but I, I like how Dable wasn't married to picking guys that he knew in a previous life. He was open to bringing in the best candidates, which, you know, quite honestly, not all, uh, head coaches do. I know judge didn't do it. And I was talking with, um, you know, a, a colleague of mine yesterday, and we were talking about how in retrospect judge built a good college staff, but right. you know, college is, you know, one level of play NFL is different. You need somebody who kind of can work with both levels. And that's where we think maybe he went wrong. Yeah. I mean, listen, I was excited when he brought in a lot of college coaches, cause I thought it could help with drafting and, and recruiting and relating to the players. So, I, you know, whatever, I'm going to give this coaching staff an opportunity, but I do think a lot of Giants fans look at that and they say, Hey, they got more pro uh, ready coaches, guys that have been in the, been in the game before. And, the one thing that I've seen this offseason that really stands out to me on both sides of the ball, not just the defense, but the offense, from some of the things that Dable said, this is going to be a much more aggressive team. Uh, like, they're going to take shots down the field. At least it sounds that way, which is refreshing to me. Uh, I'm open to it. You know, yesterday, a lot of Giants fans, they jumped the gun. And I get it. It's offseason. It's OTAs. 
You don't have much to talk about. And you get it from both sides. When Daniel Jones throws the ball through the net, people say, oh, my God. And when and when you hear that Daniel Jones th- throws two picks, people say that uh, the season's over. Daniel Jones stinks. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to read too much into it. But in a way, I almost welcome interceptions from Daniel Jones because to me that means they're taking more shots down the field. I don't want this conservative nature this year. I'm okay with Jones throwing 15 or 16 picks if it means 29, 30 balls go in the end zone. So that's what I'm most excited about this year is just on both sides of the ball. I think we're going to be a much more aggressive aggressive team. Win, lose, or draw. Uh, I think they're going to find out what they play, what their players got, which which is refreshing based off the last couple of years with Joe Judge. Yeah, and you you got to be aggressive to a degree. And you know what? Daniel did throw a couple of interceptions yesterday in the OTA, but they weren't his fault. The receivers fell, fault. right? Right. One, one was bobbled and, and picked off, and I think the other one, uh, the receiver fell down. You know, he also threw a couple of touchdowns. But the point is, is you watch Daniel Jones in these OTAs and you see a guy, you know, I'm comparing to last year, right? A lot of times last year in the OTAs, he would drop back, um, pat the ball or or what they call burp the baby, pat the ball, look, 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 where am I going to go with it? And, And he just held it so long. Now it's like, okay, look, window A, window B, get rid of the ball. He's getting rid of it and, you know, he's taking more chances because if you know that your job is on the line or you've got this extra pressure knowing that, oh, my God, I can't make a mistake. Now you're going to play a little uptight. You're going to play a little more conservatively. I think what Brian Dable is doing by saying, hey, Daniel, look, that's what practice is for. Go ahead and make whatever mistakes you're going to make. Rather you make them now and we'll worry about them if they show up in the game. I think that's a really smart approach to fixing a guy because remember, you know, you also have the mental aspect of it. Daniel Jones, after three years, it, you know, it's a miracle that this kid isn't ruined mentally, you know, because he's been beaten up behind offensive lines that have just been garbage. You know, he hasn't had solid receivers. Then he's had the, you know, the, the proverbial chains put on him. It's, Dable's trying to fix him, not just in terms of his mechanics and his football stuff, but mentally as well and get him back to playing with confidence, which I think, despite what he has said, he has lost throughout, you know, the last couple of years. I agree. I, I, the last couple of years, I felt like he was a robot at times. And I think a lot of that was instilled to him by J.C. Garrett and Joe Judge. Uh, they wanted him to, to be a, a basically like a, a game manager. They didn't, they didn't want him to lose the game. And, and at this point, I think we need to find out whether or not he could win us football games. And, and that's what, that's what that we need to come to that determination before we, we say we we're ready to move, push forward uh, with Daniel Jones, our quarterback. And I think Dable's going to allow Daniel Jones the opportunity to go out there and win games this year, which is good uh, whether, whether he succeeds or fails. So I'm really excited to see uh, what, what he could do this year. Right. Absolutely. Now I just want to go back to the defense since it was about all about the defense, yeah. you know, just, you know, a, a big concern I think a lot of people had, and I even had this concern, and I've kind of like loosened up a little bit on it, was about the back end of the defense. Mm-hmm. You know, Aaron Robinson making the conversion to, um, you know, from from basically playing mostly uh, in the slot in college to outside. You know, after listening to Jerome Henderson, listening a little bit to Aaron Robinson, you know, just – I think I feel a little bit better about the direction here. Now, obviously, it's a wait and see. You know, it's it's like Wink said. He says, look, we haven't gotten into pads. You know, these guys aren't in optimal shape, you know, training camp shape. They're working towards that. But there was enough to, to see from the, the uh, defensive secondary to make you say, hmm, maybe they won't be 
as big of a weakness as we all initially thought they might be. Yeah, I saw I saw the clip, the uh, touchdown catch, at least, uh, where Aaron Robinson was on Wendell Robinson, which was an incredible catch. Um, but the coverage actually looked good. And I know it was only one play. Um, but, yeah, I think that's the biggest question mark going into the year, at least for me, on the defensive side of the ball. And and hopefully he can provide good corner play on that side. I definitely think he's he's got the potential. Um, the question is, can he do it? So we'll, we'll see. But um, I'm, I'm really excited about that. I think that's the major storyline on this defense. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I feel a little bit better about the defense as secondary. You know, I do just, think Robinson is the favorite right now. Like, oh, no question. Yeah. No question. I think it's his job to lose. Yeah, I know they say they don't have a depth chart, but, you know, you can kind of see who's playing where. And and I know. heard Flop was playing in the slot. Yes. Yes. So maybe maybe he I mean, Darnay is probably the starter right now, but maybe Flop eventually takes that job this year. Or they share the job. Yeah. I mean, everybody keeps writing Darnay off and I don't know. I mean, Darnay's a solid player. He's a solid player. I I don't know that I would write him off, but you know, obviously you want a little bigger guy in the slot when you're, you know, if if the opposing team is lining up a tight end or a six foot four receiver, that's where I think the giants are maybe looking. That's why I think that that slot position is going to be more of a committee approach. If I had to take a guess, you know, um, you, you can't have a, a five foot eight guy going against a six foot four guy. I mean, the contested catch yeah. ratio is not going to be in your favor if you do that. So, all right, let's get to a few of your questions, everybody. Dustin Mosley, do you, what do you think about Wink saying Jerome Henderson is the best DB coach in the league? Do you think he was just saying it? I don't think he was just saying it. I mean, you know what? Listen, Dustin, I do think it says a lot that Jerome Henderson was retained by this coaching staff. He's a former NFL defensive back, which goes a long way, believe it or not. You ask players, you know, if there's an advantage to having a former NFL player who played their position coaching them, and they will tell you yes. And I I tweeted this yesterday. I also wrote about this on Giants Country about a drill that Henderson, that I don't remember seeing them do last year. It's a new drill that he had the defensive backs doing where he was kind of rolling a tennis ball. All right, so – they have that red boundary line, which is about 10 yards away from the uh, the sideline. Okay. And they rolled a tennis ball. And they basically, as soon as they rolled the ball, they would yell out, hut, you know, and the, the player would have to take off and try to pick the thing up with one hand while on the move. So bend down on the move, scoop it up. And I'm, I'm watching this drill and I'm saying, wow, this is an interesting drill. And, the, and you know, the reason for that drill in part is you've got to pick up you know, if you're on the football field, you've got to pick up a, a oblong shaped ball, a funky shaped ball with one hand a lot of times, especially if one comes loose. So just the attention to detail, the new drills. You know, I remember years ago when Mike Pope was here, how he used to come up with all kinds of creative drills. And I see that with Jerome Henderson. So I do think, you know, the, the praise that he got from from uh, Wink Martindale is certainly well deserved. I mean, the man just knows his stuff. Yeah, I think you you took the main point out of my mouth about the fact that he was retained. I mean, the Giants replaced pretty much every other coach on this roster or, or the majority of them uh, to keep Jerome Henderson. Obviously, they think relatively highly about him. I remember when we brought him in, um, he, I think he was credited, at least partially credited with the development of Darrell Revis while he was with the Jets. I uh, did a good job with the Atlanta Falcons. So, um, yeah, I think he's a highly thought of DB coach in the NFL. And obviously the fact that the Giants kept him. Uh, when they when they you know basically gutted the entire coaching staff speaks volumes. I mean, 
they were willing to let go of Patrick Graham, but they kept Jerome Henderson. Not not to say that – I mean, I know word came out that they were looking to potentially keep Patrick Graham, but regardless, um, yeah, they think highly about him, and he's been highly thought of throughout his career in the NFL. Now maybe Wink is trying to prop things up a little bit, but no, I think Jerome Henderson is regarded as a very good DB coach. And also worth noting, they kept uh, Henderson before they had Wink on board. And if I'm right. not mistaken, Wink, um, Wink was actually interviewed by Henderson. So, yeah. or, or amongst, you know, Henderson and a bunch of other people's, because, you know, it, it was like, you know, is this all a fit? So that just goes to speak to, to, the, to what the Giants think of Jerome Henderson. Very nice man and a really, really good teacher. I have yet to hear anybody on or off the record say that that Henderson is is not worth his weight in gold. So, all right, let's get one from Cletus T. Bags. Did you see the Wink interview where he wants to be a head coach sooner than later? Uh, do you think Wilkins takes over the defense because he's highly regarded by Wink? Yeah, Cletus, I was in that presser. So, yeah, I did hear the comment. Um, look, I mean, I think every coach to a degree wants to become a head coach someday. That doesn't mean that they will. Mm-hmm. Um I think we're t- a little too premature to say who's going to take over the defense. Let's see what Wink does, you know, because the other thing is, is a lot of, I think a lot of teams as they go to new head coaches, they tend to get out of the old cycle and tend to go for guys that are up and coming younger guys that they know can be in there, the position hopefully for 10 plus years. So, you know, that doesn't mean that Wink can't still be a head coach. I don't want, want it to sound like, you know, it's, it's an age thing, you know, cause it's not, I think he would be a great head coach, but you know, I think this talk is just premature to be honest with you. Yeah. As far as that goes, I'm, I'm never, I don't worry. As a matter of fact, I hope he becomes a good head coach because I'm going to tell you what, if he becomes a head coach, that means he did a good job with the New York giants. That's coaches. Oh, so, um, you know, when your team performs well, you're bound to lose some of the coaches from within your, co- within your coaching staff, whether or not they have a, a plan who knows I it could be a you know if they were to replace him in a year or two it could potentially be somebody uh not on this New York Giants roster there's no way of telling that but I'm not worried about that that that's a good thing in my opinion if we start to lose some of our coaches because that means the team is playing well yeah absolutely I mean you don't want to see it but I mean you don't want to see coach, it you don't want to lose your coaches I should say you want to see the team playing well but right. that's just how things go it's just how yeah. things go all right. Uh, independent outsider wants to know about the biggest challenge Kayvon Thibodeau will have uh, to getting to the quarterback and how quickly will he adjust in your opinion? I would say probably the biggest adjustment and not just with Thibodeau, but uh, any rookie is strength. You know, they come in and they're strong. Don't get me wrong, but there's the NFL. Again, a lot of guys say that once they get into the weight room and they're in the program for about a, you know, a full year, they notice a, a big difference in strength. Mm-hmm. So that I think would be, probably be one of the challenges I, I could see KT having right off the bat. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's going to be this one, the speed of the NFL for sure. That's, that's every position, right? It's, it's different than college football. And I, I think the other, it's going to be developing his pass rush moves. I mean, you see a lot of his pressures that he got at the collegiate level came off the speed rush, off the edge. He was able to <laughs> able to beat those guys with just pure athleticism. There's going to be times where he's probably going to be able to do that in the NFL as well, and he's really strong. He can win with the bull rush, but he's going to have to further develop himself as a pass rusher. You know, a lot of people compare him to OCU Manure, and I see the comparisons um, based off the speed off the edge is his first step. OC came in, if you remember, he was not very advanced in terms of his, his pass rush technique. He improved as a player. And he grew in his second, third year. He already had double-digit sacks. So, 
may he struggle this year? It's possible. I mean, I, I hope not. I hope he goes out there and has 12 sacks, but it's a learning curve. We have to remember these guys are rookies, but Kayvon Thibodeau certainly has a very high ceiling. And OC, by the way, attached himself to the hip of Michael Strahan. Now, Michael Strahan has already struck up a, a, a friendship with Kayvon. So, you know, that's something worth keeping an eye on because, you know, you, you get a chance to learn from Strahan, a Hall of Famer. And, and you He's know, so like a sponge. Exactly. And and OC did that. I remember OC telling me that many times that, you know, he would sit there like like a little kid listening to, you know, his idol talking about, you know, things. And 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 Strahan always used to tell me, oh, one day OC is going to be better than me. He's going to break all my records. I mean, that that's how how nice that relationship same was. Thing with talk, I'm sure. Talk, I'm sure. Same thing with Tuck too. Tuck, yeah. Tuck, not so much, believe it or not. Tuck, really? Tuck, Tuck and, and, you know, he would go to Strahan, but, you know, Tuck also, I think had a little bit more of a chip on his shoulder because if I remember correctly, wasn't Tuck, what, a third rounder? Was he a third rounder? I think fourth he was rounder? a third rounder out of Notre Dame, yes. And, and the, the talk was he should have gone higher. And I think he always had that chip on his shoulder and he was determined to really show people that he, he was underdrafted. Um, so, but, but yeah, I mean, look, I'm not saying that Tuck didn't, didn't, you know, cozy up the stray hand to get tips and whatnot, but, but, you know, some guys do it more than others is what yeah. I'm trying to get. At. I, I agree. So, I remember hearing that about OC count, yeah. uh, countless times. Uh, yeah. game, so you, you're, you're absolutely right about that. Yeah. All right. Let's see what else we got here. Neymar, Saquon, will Darius Slayton be cut? We have to see. I think Darius Slayton is going to get an opportunity to compete. I keep saying that. If the, if the team were to cut him right now, what kind of message are they sending to that locker room? They don't need the roster spot right now. Yeah. Let him come in. Let him compete. You know, there's no harm in that. What, who's to say that Darius Slayton in this offense won't develop into a into a solid contributor? I mean, I, I, I just don't get – all right, I do get it. It's the 2.5 million cap savings. But, you know, let's not be so quick to cut the guy yet. Give yeah, him the benefit I, of the doubt. I don't see the need to cut him at this point. Had had you been trying to keep James Bradbury, then I saw the reason to cut him and a couple of other players to try to maneuver some cap space in order to keep him. But now that you cut Bradbury, now that you're pretty much evened up with the cap space, what's the reason to cut Terry Slate? And our entire receiving core is injury prone. He's still at least a capable wide receiver in the NFL. You need players like that. Whether or not he's going to be starting or not, I mean – Kenny Galladay's had a number of injuries uh, in the NFL. Kadarius Tony's already displayed some injury problems. Sterling Shepard. So we're thin at that position after those guys. And those guys are injury prone. So I see no reason to cut Darius Slayton. $2.5 million for a fourth or fifth wide receiver in the NFL today. It's not that much. Look at what Well, he doesn't play special. He doesn't play specials, though. He doesn't Which, play specials. I, but, I think he's going to make the team. I, I, I Unless we trade him. I think he's going to um, make the team. I don't know if, you know, look, if I were to project the, the the receiver group right now, I don't know that I would have Slayton as the fourth receiver. I'd have I him as a fifth, I think. I think a fifth. And, and again, the special teams factor, for me at any rate, that's something I'm like, eh, I don't know. I, I would put him borderline. But that said, let him compete. Maybe yeah. he becomes the fourth receiver. Maybe Sterling Shepard isn't ready. But right now, I don't think you can put him ahead of Sterling Shepard, who I would pencil in right now as the fourth guy, even though I don't know that he's going to be ready to go. So Robinson already above Shepard. I, I th oh yeah, I think yep. Robinson's going to be he above Shepard. He looked good yesterday, according to a lot of people. Yes, he did. Yeah. Yes, he did. And it looked like they were using him a lot, in the, well, at least from that clip, uh, as a vertical wide receiver. Mm-hmm. 
they got a specific role for him. And, you know, obviously we see practices, we're we're seeing every third OTA right now, but I think the three day mini camp, which I can't wait to get to, by the way, um, that's going to tell, you know, give us hopefully a, a lot of clues as to maybe what to expect moving forward. So, all right, I want to pull this one up from OG Knockout, who's kind of been belly aching about Daniel Jones and how Daniel Jones isn't going to be very good and so on and so forth. Being nice doesn't win. He averages four wins a season. OG, my man, look at the offensive line this guy's had behind him. Look at the lack of stability he's had in in uh, you know the, the system he's been asked to act, execute. Can we give this guy the benefit of the doubt? I mean, look, I get it. Everybody's frustrated. Everybody wants to see this team turn it around. But you got to look at the whole picture, I think. And I'm not I'm not so sure, you know, and, and you're based on what I'm seeing in the chat at any rate, that you're looking at the whole picture. I mean, listen, I, I don't I don't even know if you have to give him necessarily the benefit of the doubt, but you have no choice but to give him a chance this year. That's my take on it. And you have to hope that the improvements on this New York Giants roster lead to wins. If they don't, Jones will be replaced. I mean, at the end of the day, if Jones doesn't win at least eight or nine games this year and play relatively well, he's going to be replaced. So let's give him the year. Let's see how he does with the better surroundings. Nobody would debate he's had significant upgrades, both on the offensive line and in terms of the play caller. Not to mention you have to think that the weapons can't be as banged up as they were last year. Um, you know, and I think Saquon Barkley, you're going to see a better version of him this year, two years removed now from the serious injury. Wendell Robinson looks like could be a valuable weapon. Tony in his second year should be more advanced. And I think the new offensive play caller should be able to utilize him better. Let's give Jones an opportunity. Maybe they put Jones in a better situation to succeed this year. I'm not telling you he's the second coming of Eli Manning, but let's give the guy an opportunity this year. That's my outlook on it. Uh, Everybody's entitled to their own opinion, but I'm really excited to see what they do with this offense though. Like I can't get it out of my head. Like I'm so excited to see how they utilize these weapons. I, the more I think about it and I'm not saying they're not going to have deep throws because I think they will. I really think it's going to be a lot of, Two-step drops, get the ball out. Get the ball in these playmakers' hands. They could. They, you look at Wendell Robinson, you look at Kadarius Tony. you look at Saquon Barkley. These are yards after the catch type players. I think that's going to be the, the outlook. Don't make Jones think too much. Quick, create quick separation via pre-stat motion, scheme. Get these guys out in open space and let them create big plays. And you speak of pre-stat motion. There was a lot of it in yesterday's practice during yeah. the team drills. A lot of it. Not just on the offensive side. It's funny. The defense was was moving around. The offense is doing pre-snap motion. It's like, ooh, a chess match. Who's going to go where and who's going to line up? And and when I, it was really fascinating to watch. And, I, again, I can't wait to see more. So I put this, this uh, question, if you will, or st- actually statement or point that independent outsider was trying to make. How many years did it take before Eli broke out? It took about three, if I'm not mistaken, because Eli was – was, you know, a little different circumstance, if I'm not mistaken, but it took him about three years before people stopped questioning whether or not the Giants had had erred in, you know, making the trade for him, as I remember. It took him to his first Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, And he showed glimpses. I'm not going to lie about that. He definitely showed glimpses his first couple of years. He had some signature comeback victories, the game against the Uh Eagles, the game against the Broncos. Um, And he was, and people forget, because they compare stats from, you know, 2004 to stats from today. Eli Manning was top five at touchdown passes, second and third year in the NFL. Went to the playoffs the second and third year in the NFL. But I think we both agree he had a better supporting, a much better uh, surrounding roster. But he had his struggles. There's no doubt about yeah. it. Oh, yeah. And even after his first Super Bowl, by like 2010, people were doubting him again. So <laughs> that's where we live. We're in the New York market. Um, even when you win, people are going to doubt you, especially at that quarterback position. And that comes with the territory. You need to have thick skin to play that position for the Giants.
Yeah, I think if Patrick Mahomes were here, people would probably be doubting him. I (laughs) I would not be surprised. All right, OG with another point. I hear you guys, but the problem with Daniel is that the game was too fast for him. Look at the tape. OG, again, look at how much time this kid had to throw. I mean, a lot of times he dropped back and he'd have somebody in his face and he would try to make something happen. Look, I mean, to a point, listen, I'm going to be frank with you. I have said before that, Sometimes Daniel's mental processing part, you know, that part of his game lacks. I agree. All right. But again, how much of that is the circumstances? Is it because he's got somebody in his face all the time? Is it because he legitimately doesn't know what he's looking at? I would like to think it's because he's got guys in his face literally as soon as he takes the handoff from center. I could be wrong here, but that's what I see. And, and look, I, I'm all in favor of giving this kid another chance. I think we have to. The Giants want to find out if he can be the guy. And if he's not the guy, listen, I'll be the first one leading the charge saying, get rid of him. Let's draft somebody else. Mm -hmm. But you got to give him the chance. You know, he's here. He's not going to give him the chance. Um, But I got to tell you this. It's interesting because Tyrod Taylor, at least in practice, you know, because sometimes guys look different in practice than they do in, in uh, you know, in, in games. But Tyrod mm-hmm. Taylor's been throwing. I I think he's looked pretty good in the practices that I've I have seen heard him. that. I have heard that, that that people have said he's looked good in practice, which is good. I mean, we we need a good backup quarterback. Yes, yes. We saw but Mike it's funny. Last year, um, as far as his uh, you know, his pre-snap reads and 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 his and his ability to scan the field. Yeah, I, I think it's a combination of a couple of things. I think definitely the surrounding roster has something to do with it. The fact that he's got that that clock in the back of his head because they haven't been able to block and they haven't been able to establish a ground game. They haven't been able to really help him out as a quarterback. I do think some of that definitely falls on Daniel Jones as well, like you said. Um, I think it's a combination of many things. And hopefully he improves as a quarterback with a better offensive coordinator, a better offense, and hopefully they set him up to succeed. And I think part of that's going to be, like I said earlier, getting the ball out of his hand quick. Not making him think too much. Getting get, getting the ball into the playmaker's hands as quickly as you possibly can. Something that Jason Garrett and Joe Judge didn't do. And I, I also think Joe Judge screwed with Daniel Jones's head. I really believe that. Um, I, I think he instilled it in him. Do not turn the ball over. He made him play scared. He made him play conservative. That's my honest opinion. Um, I agree. Go back, look at year one with Daniel Jones under Pat Shermer. He was free balling. He made a yeah. lot of throws that made me scratch my head. And he probably should have thrown more picks than he did. If you go back and watch the tape, there was at least three, four, five interceptions that should have happened. But he he was playing football. He was not thinking too much. And I think Jones needs to get back to that. Yes, absolutely. You know, when you start thinking too much, you're going to play slow. Yeah. And and we saw that. And, you know, like I said, if you're if you're constantly on alert, like, oh, my God, I can't make a mistake. Otherwise, something bad's going to happen. Guess what? You're going to make mistakes because you're going to be so, so wound up that it's, it's just not going to flow. It's not going to be natural. And I think, and I agree with you. I, I just think last year they, there was too much of an emphasis on cut down on the turnovers, cut down on the turn. I can live with, with interceptions. What I can't live it, live with, I think are the, are the fumbles, you know, which, cause to me that's, there's no excuse for the fumbles. Um, but interceptions, if you're taking a chance here and there, I'm fine with that. Yeah, Exactly. All right. Uh, Big Blue in the Bronx wants to know, who do you prefer as the slot cornerback and who do you think will get the job? I think it's going to be a committee. And and as far as a preference, I personally don't have one just yet because I I do think it's going to be a a committee approach. I don't know that it's going to be, you know, necessarily Cordell Flott or, 
or Darnay Holmes or Aaron Robinson in the slot. And I'm fine with a committee approach for that position because you want to match guys up based on what the what the offense is putting up there. Like I said before, you don't want a guy who um, you know who, who's a five foot eight cornerback going up against a six foot four tight end who's in the slot. I mean, that's a mismatch. Yeah, I mean, my my preference is who's ever the best in camp. <laughs> I think there I think go. It's open committee. I really do. And and I think I think like you said, I think Robinson's going to be the starting guy on the outside. So. Right now, I think it's probably between Flott and Darnay Holmes. I would probably slightly favor Holmes to be the starter to go into the year just because he has two years of NFL experience. Uh, Flott played on the outside at the collegiate level. He's still a bit undersized. He only weighs about 165, 170 pounds. So, uh, but who's, who's ever the best? If Flott's the best, give him, give him the crack right away. I think that's what this year is about, analyzing our younger players and see if we can push forward with them. So um, even though I do think Flott's long-term position may be on the outside personally, um, it looks like they're going to start him in the slot. So we'll see. But whoever wins in camp, man, who's ever, whoever does the best job. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, Andrew Christopher, I see you. He, he says hi every day. So He's the best. hi. Hola, Andrew Christopher. What's going on, man? Yeah, I I, I lost the. I, I saw the, uh, the, the, the message, but it, it scrolled down. I'm getting a lot of messages in here, but I did want to, I did want to send a shout out every day. He says hello. And, and I try to say hi every day, but sometimes I don't get to the comments on the, on the, uh, video. So I apologize. It's not that I'm ignoring you. It's just sometimes I don't get to them. So um, I do try to to get to them. Anyway, um, so Authentic asks, what are the odds that it's just Daniel Jones, that he's just no good? Um, look, I think if Daniel Jones wasn't any good, he would have been out of the league a long time ago. You know, he, he would have had um, maybe a Kyle Lawletta situation. You know, I... I Daniel, here's the thing with Daniel, all right? Daniel works at it. He really puts in the time. You know, everybody I talk to um, from the Giants says the same thing. He puts in the time. He asks questions. He really is committed to being good. Now, is he going to be Hall of Fame good? Probably not. But is he a guy that everybody feels that a team can win with? Yes. Was he overdrafted? You can make that argument, but is that his fault? No, he doesn't have a say as to where he gets drafted. That's on the previous regime for, quote unquote, overdrafting him. And, you know, I think that's maybe where fans are kind of, I guess, blurring the line, so to speak. They're like, well, he was a top, you know, he was the sixth overall pick. He should be playing like a Hall of Famer at this point. Yeah. I, I, again... I think he was overdrafted. I, you know, I had him going at 17 with the second pick. Mm-hmm. And then there was that, you know, the reports that, oh, they didn't think he would last that long. No. But um, they better have thought he wouldn't last that long if they took yeah, him. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't blame Jones for where he was drafted. That wasn't his say. But look, he there's enough that he can do well. Now, can he take it to the next level and advance from that game management manager role? That's what we've got to find out. That's what they've got to find out. They are doing everything possible to help this guy succeed from asking him what he likes to run, from giving him a better offensive line, from, you know, hopefully upgrading some of the the receiving options, both at receiver and tight end. They're doing everything possible to help him. If he doesn't take that next step, that's on him. That's when we're going to know that, okay, the odds that it was him, here they are. Here's the evidence. 
Yeah, and what's going on, Authentic, man? Thanks for popping in. Um, As far as uh, what he had to say, listen, uh, I, I don't know what your definition of uh, whether or not he's not good. Do I think he's good enough to be in the NFL? Yes. Do I think he's good enough to be at least a really good backup? Yes. Do I think he's probably good enough to at least be a journeyman quarterback? Probably. You know, a guy like Teddy Bridgewater, a guy like – I do think he's that. The question is, is he good enough to push forward with for the New York Giants? Is he good enough to be that franchise guy, to command a second contract? And we don't have enough evidence to, to say that right now, not even close. So he's got a lot of improvements that he needs to work on, and you have to hope with the overall improvements around him, it happens. And if it doesn't, we're going to hunt for a quarterback next year, I promise you. Uh, sure. <laughs> for me, the, the 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 bare minimum for Daniel Jones this year, I keep saying it, it's Derek Carr last year. That's what he needs to do. He needs to win nine games. And Derek Carr did it without ideal circumstances. The circumstances no longer matter. You're year four. You're at the end of your rookie deal. He needs to start to produce wins. He needs a nine-win season. He needs a winning year for the New York Giants. And he needs to post good numbers. He needs to look good doing it. So if he does that, we'll push forward for another year or two. If he doesn't, we'll be looking for a quarterback. That's my outlook on it. Yeah, I agree with you 100% there. All right, psychogenics, genetics. Uh, they, great questions you had for the coaches. Thank you for the videos. You're welcome. Thank you for the comments. But, uh, what he was referring to, folks, is over on my uh, Instagram account, uh, at Patty Traina, P-A-T-T-I-T-R-A-I-N-A. I post videos. Uh, it's just easier for me to put them on Instagram than it is on Twitter. I do put some of them on Twitter, but I send them over to my Instagram account. And also I do a Q&A. I got a Q&A going on over there as well. So if you want to check that out, subscribe to uh, my Instagram account. Would appreciate it. I'm trying to get to a thousand subscribers over there. I have almost 30 on Twitter, but only I have less than a thousand on Instagram. So I'm really yeah, trying to pick up. I am trying to pick up my Instagram game for you guys this year. So thank you for the for the compliment there. And I will keep on asking those questions as best as I can. Uh, let's hear from Papa Guso, who, who <laughs> opines. Hey, I I feel like I, I love him. I mean, I feel like I know Papa Guzzo. I hope you don't mind, Rosario. <laughs> I hope you don't mind to call you Papa Guzzo. Um Giants need two years to be a playoff team. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, you look at, you know, I, I don't want to keep using Buffalo as the model, but you look at when Shane and um, uh, Brandon Bean first came in and how they had to rebuild everything from scratch. And they ultimately, step-by-step, step, got that, that program on the right track. So I think, though, the key, again, is going to be Daniel. If Daniel proves that he can be the quarterback they can win with, I could see the Giants definitely being a playoff team as soon as next year. All right. When I'm not so sure next, about this year. Do you mean this year? No, not 2022. I'll say 2023. this. I'll say this, and I'm not predicting it. My prediction is seven wins. If Daniel Jones is a really good quarterback this year, the Giants can make the playoffs. A really good quarterback hides yeah. holes on your roster. Like, if he takes a big step this year with the schedule the Giants have, why can't yeah. they win nine games? Nine games get you in the playoffs. Yeah, they could. Conference, so could they? Could if, they? If he takes a big step, sure. Um, my conservative nature says at least two years. And if yes. Daniel Jones does not improve dramatically this year, We're at least three about. years. Because then yes. you're looking at a rookie quarterback. Um, and you yes. can't expect to make the playoffs with a rookie quarterback. So I think the timeline for when the Giants are going to be a team that we're excited about in terms of having potential playoff hopes rests on the shoulder of Daniel Jones for the next two years. 
Yes, agree, agree. And and I was going to say, there is an outside chance that maybe they sneak in this year, but I tend to be conservative, and I'm saying. Oh, I agree. I have them at seven. I'm, I'm going to be. I'm going to say, look, I'm not going to get my hopes up. I do think they are going to be better. Yeah. I think they're going to win more games than they have the last couple of years. Um, but I'm just not sure. I think, you know, they need a lot of stuff to fall the right way. Yeah. This is a new team, new systems, new everything, right? New everything. It's all got to gel. So how quickly does that gel? That's the X factor for me. And if it comes together and by, say, week four, week five, they are playing lights out, then I might say, you know what? There's a chance. Yeah. If they're still struggling. They still look like they're still, you know, not cohesive. Then I got to stick with my 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 forecast. But I do think playoffs is, you know, again, depending on what happens with the quarterback situation, I don't think this team's that far off. If 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 we could get a real a good a top ten to twelve quarterback, we're probably a fringe playoff team. Can Jones do that this year? We'll find out. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, uh, let's see. I just had one here. Let me pull this up. Uh, Neymar, Saquon, I'm, I am considered Darius Slayton drops ball. Uh, oh, actually, I think you meant to say I am concerned Darius Slayton drops balls like Evan Engram did. Um, yeah, you know, here's what I'm concerned about with Slayton. The production has dropped. Uh -huh. from him i i think i posted a stat in, on one of my giants country articles in which i talked about how every year since his rookie year his numbers have gone down that's not what you want to see from your draft class you know look i'm working on uh something on the 2019 draft class i'm doing like a you know an like regrading them because it's been three years now and you know right now i got to give that slayton pick I'm going to give, you know, a negative grade because he's not going up. He's going the opposite direction. That said, how much of that was injuries? Because I do know he had injuries the last couple of years that he tried to play through. Mm -hmm. uh, how much of that was scheme? Look, you, you, you can't just, to me, you just can't look at a player and say, ah, oh, this guy is terrible. You, you got to take everything into consideration, you know, and you got to kind of grade on a curve almost. I don't know if that's, you know. Well, here, here's what that I'll say sense, about Slayton. But... Um, I, I definitely think the Pat Shermer scheme helped Slayton personally. Yes. Um, when you, I remember when I went to the Jet game, he was running wide open over the middle constantly. And I think some of that had to do with the scheme that Pat Shermer implemented uh, as opposed to Jason Garrett. But overall, I think Slayton is exactly who they thought he was coming out of the draft. When you read his pre-draft scouting report, it said a limited route tree and he had, he had speed and height and he had drop problems and, that's kind of what he's been in the NFL. So there's a reason he went in the fifth round. I think we, we've seen that now over the last two years as Giants fans. And, you know, his first year was exciting. He caught eight touchdowns. And I think Giants fans got ahead of themselves, maybe even myself included. And we said to ourselves, maybe this guy could be a really good number two. Uh, some Giants fans went as far to say a one. I wouldn't do that. But maybe this guy could be a really good two. It, it happens. Obviously, in the NFL, fifth round picks all the time turn out to be really good uh, at the wide receiver position. He hasn't turned into that, not yet at least, and I don't think he will, certainly not with the New York Giants. And if he is with the team this year, which I'm leaning he will be, I don't think he'll be here much longer than that. I think this will be his last year here. I agree with you, definitely. And uh, by the way, Papa Glutso's happy, okay, that I call him Papa Glutso. <laughs> All right, so you, you now you've got a half-sister here. <laughs> he 
he's gonna dot me that was he's so cool but, all right uh all right giant fans so i have one commercial just one today that i do have to run i'm gonna run it we're gonna come back we're gonna continue to talk giants we're gonna continue to take your questions so please put them in the uh the uh, chat box and um we will be right back after these words all right, Giant fans, we have more coming up on today's Locked on Giants podcast with the Entertainer. But first, if you were tired of taking supplement after supplement, you need to get hold of an AG1 by Athletic Greens. With one delicious and quick dissolving scoop, you'll absorb 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. AG1 is a lifestyle-friendly supplement. Whatever, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything, and it still tastes great. Athletic Greens uses only the highest quality ingredients based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. So go ahead, reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. Visit athleticgreens.com slash NFL network today, and they'll send you a free one-year supply of immune supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Again, that website is athleticgreens.com slash NFL network. All right, everybody, welcome back. And thank you as always for your patience while we run our ads from our sponsors, because without our sponsors, there is no Locked on Giants podcast. You know, hey, listen, I know some people complain about the ads and I'm like, guys, I have to make a living too. You know, so <laughs> I think it is. Job. I enjoy the ads just as much as the show. I'm telling you, you do a great job with the ads. I might you know, so I, I got a confession to make. Do you know how many takes it, it, it takes for me to, to get through these ads? Some of how them, many? I'm just uh, at least two. And the fun <laughs> at least is, too. You make it. You, I thought you were going to say like ten the way you said that too. That's you know not- what? There have been nights. There have been nights because you know I have to do the ads. I have to read them fresh for every show. Now, obviously, as you can tell, I had different clothes on. My hair was tied back in a ponytail last night, so I did these last night. But that being said, I read off of a script, so you would think I would nail it in one shot. Yeah, but the way it's written and the way I would say it, two totally different things. And there are days where I it, it will literally take me multiple takes, like two anywhere from two to five. I mean, one night it took me eight to do um, Bill Bar, which is an, a sponsor we've had for over a year, and I'm sitting there going, Duh, "Why can't I get it out?" <laughs> so sometimes I have to splice it together. But still, you know, ultimately, I, you know, if, if it's that bad, I start all over. But that one I was able to nail. So, but uh, no, I do appreciate our advertisers, and I do the best I can with the ads. So, um, and all of our products, you know, that we're, we're, we're touting here on the Lockdown Podcast. Uh, amazing stuff. The built bars. I mean, I just got myself a new supply of the puffs, which I love. They're like eating, you know, chocolate covered marshmallow, but they're low cal, low sugar and all that stuff. And you're sell- you're athletic- selling it for them. You're doing a great job. You're and doing- well, thank you. And athletic greens. I mean, goodness, I used to take a ton of supplements now just one scoop and boom, I'm done for the day. So <laughs> anyway, I didn't mean to get on a, get off target here. So, all right, let's get back. Uh, I'm just looking around to see. Let's see what we have here. I'm just looking at some of these comments here. Um, 
a lot of you notice, Chris, the last couple of shows we've had, it's evolved into a big discussion slash debate about Daniel Jones. Well, he's the quarterback. Yeah. Most important position. And the fan base is very well. Yeah, I think the fan base is very divided. You have some people that think that Daniel Jones is the Antichrist. You have some people that think that Daniel Jones could be okay. And you have some people who are who are convinced that he's going to be the franchise guy. So yeah, it, it's the it's the most important position. So it comes with the yeah. territory. Yep, absolutely. All right, JC Silver wants to know what's our MLB depth like right now. Is Blake in a red shirt? Yes, Blake is in a red shirt. Um, the expectation is he should be good to go for the start of the season. Um, I do think he's going to be ready for camp, but on a limited basis. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, they're going to have uh, this year the ramp-up period for camp. So really those first few, I think it's like the first five days is the ramp-up period. I would not get too excited either way over a guy who is or isn't ready. You want them to be ready when the full pads go on. Mm -hmm. That's my take on that. Um, as far as the depth, uh, they've got a lot of guys there at, at uh, inside linebacker. I didn't get to the inside linebackers coach yesterday, by the way. I meant to, but by the time I got done, you know, I, I hit all of the the assistant defensive uh, defensive assistants, the D line coach, outside linebackers, obviously Jerome Henderson. By the time you know, I, I went to get over to the inside linebacker coach, the session had expired. But um, Tate Crowder will probably be the incumbent, but Keep an eye on on Micah McFadden. Um, I could see him potentially working his way into the rotation there. Uh, I have a feeling some of the draft picks from like last year, like a TJ Brunson, I, I, he's going to get to compete, but I don't have optimism that he's going to be on the roster. Yeah. I'm curious to see what happens with Carter Coughlin. Co Coughlin actually made a couple of good plays in the OTA yesterday. Uh -huh. Um Cam Brown, I, I kind of get the impression Cam Brown is more of a special teams guy. That's how they look at him more so, at least in the past, that's how they looked at him. So I'm not so sure if there'll be a spot for him. Although, again, the length and, and the size, you, can, you can't ignore that. So I would say probably, you know, and then Darian Beavers, I think, is going to start with special teams and ultimately, you know, work his way in. But if I had to take a guess in the base, maybe you're looking at Blake and um, I don't know if the Tate's going to hold on to the job. I, I, I'm, I'm undecided there. I think it's going to be a competition there. And right now I think that's too close to call. Yeah. I think it's clearly an open competition. Um, I, right now I would probably list Crowder as the slight favorite, but the guy, it's not like the guys, you know, you can't replace the guy. The guy was the last pick in the draft. I know he was decent for the Giants last year. They drafted two inside linebackers, one in the fifth, one in the seventh, uh, one in the sixth rather. Uh, with Beaver and, and McFadden, or uh, McFadden was actually the fourth, maybe. Um, but uh, a lot of people seem to be high on McFadden and how he fits the scheme. And I think Carter Coughlin will make the team. They did play him a little bit on the inside linebacker last year, and he has capabilities of playing on the outside, so you, so you can move him around a bit. So I think that's what you're looking at. Our depth at that position is pretty decent. Um, I just don't know if we have a really great starting unit right now, especially with the uncertainty of Martinez. I think Martinez is going to be okay. Now, yeah. how effective is he going to be coming off that ACL? That's another yeah, that's, story. That's what I mean. I think he's going to yeah. play. Yeah. Are we going to get Martinez from 2020 or are we going to see, or are we going to see a slightly well, worse version? Either way, I think, you know, after they redid his contract, um, he's got a voidable year next year. So I think it's safe to say this is it. So, yeah. you know, do they what, – what I'm curious to see is they did that with a couple of contracts. So are they going to ultimately phase guys out as the years go – 
as the year goes on. And, and not just with those guys, but the guys who are on one of your contracts, like I'm thinking offensive line, for example. So, you know, we could sit here and project that the starting interior is going to be Glowinski, Feliciano, and, and one of uh, Max Garcia, Jamil Douglas, or Shane Lemieux. By the way, I think Shane get Lemieux. starting reps, right? Yes. I was going to say, I think Shane Lemieux has got the edge right now going in. But my point being is, is Feliciano is on a one-year deal. So do we maybe see him as the year goes on? And if the offense starts to click, do we maybe see another guy come in there? You know, maybe Gates comes back at that point, um, you know, or or maybe they tr- they say, okay, you know what, we're going to move Shane Lemieux in and have him be our center, you know? So I'm, I'm curious to see how that plays out because they do have a lot of guys who are on a one-year deal, which I know is a result of, you know, not having cap space. But that said, you have to have guys in place to replace these guys down the line because you are not going to resign all these guys after the season is over. Yeah, I think you're going to have a lot of roster turnover. I think Martinez is going to be part of that. Um, you, we have to realize his fans. Uh, Shane had nothing to do with bringing in these guys. Martinez coming up an injury. He's going to be, what, like 30 years old? So I think this is probably his last year as a giant and hopefully he has a great one. But I, I think they're looking towards the future at that position for sure. I don't. I don't see Martinez here in 2023. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. All right. Uh, Dustin asks, have you gotten a chance to watch safety? Henry Black from Green Bay. Not yet, Dustin. Um, the defensive backs, much like, uh, the you know, the offense and defensive lines, once the pads go on, that's when you can really appreciate, you know, the bump and run and all the physical contact. But, uh, no, I, have, I haven't zeroed in on him. I've kind of been looking, you know, what I do, just just so you know, what I do when I watch these practices is I don't write down names, I write down numbers because I don't want to hone in on a particular guy, you know? So uh, if somebody does something that catches my eye, I'll write down the number and then I'll go back and I'll look up and see on my roster sheet who the guy was. It's just, this way I'm not locked into a specific guy. And yeah. I, I just, I've found that it helps diversify my my practice reports a little bit better. So so no, I haven't looked at him, but you know, look, training camp is, is going to be, it's going to be a long process. Um, I, I'm sure I'll, I'll get an opportunity to look at him and also there'll be preseason games. So uh, don't despair. If anybody, you know, if there's anybody that you want me to look at specifically, I'm sure I will get the opportunity at some point or another. All right, Chris, got to talk about my man, Daniel Bellinger. Yeah. Wow. This kid's good. Really? Yeah. Smooth, coming in and out of breaks. I mean, I don't think I've seen him drop any passes. And I'm sitting well, that, here saying, the he didn't drop. I, if I, right. I'm well, last year, last year, I think he's had three career drops. Okay. All right. So I'm thinking for a tight end duo, I'm thinking Ricky Seals Jones and Bellinger. I could see Bellinger maybe surpassing Aikens. Am I crazy I to think, think that? He will. I think he will. I, I think Bell, I think Bell, out of all of our draft picks, the ones that I'm most confident are going to, outside of our first three picks, he's the one that I am most confident is going to be an immediate contributor for this football team. And it has as much to do with him as the lack of depth we have at that position. But, um, you know, we're, we're kind of thin there. Ricky Seals-Jones is not really a proven commodity. He's had injury concerns in the past. I like Bellinger. And I think Bellinger is a guy with a lot of upside. He – he ran a four six three forty. So the guy's got speed. Um, maybe he wasn't utilized. He's talked about that. He's talked about how he thinks he could uh, contribute more at the NFL level in terms of being a pass catcher, and he's not just strictly a blocker. So 
I'm really excited about Bellinger this year. I think he could have a pretty good rookie year for the Giants. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I like what I've seen. And the guy is cut. Yeah. You know, he's he's got great size. Um, you know, obviously you got to see what happens when the pad goes, pads go on. I, I keep saying that, and I probably will say that a hundred more times between now and training camp, but I am very encouraged by what I've seen from Daniel Bellinger. I think that that pit has the potential to be a real steal for the giants. All right. Uh, Papa Guzzo says, get the center. That would be JC Treader. who yeah. was just cut from Cleveland. Okay. I think the two, two things there. Number one, can you get him on a veteran minimum deal? Probably if not. he can't, yeah, I'm not sure if he could. Um, the other thing is, is at some point, I think the Giants just, they got to put a young center in there. They've got a young offensive line. Um, you know, and I'm not saying that that Treader wouldn't up, upgrade the, the Giants offensive line. He's a very good player. And plus, I think he can play guard too. But at some point, you, you got to, Say, okay, look, we've got our veterans in here, and now we're going to transition more to, if you will, the uh, to the youth movement, yeah. you know, so, because that's where your future is. So that that's my feeling on Treader. I, I don't know that they have the money to do it, if I'm being honest with you. Yeah, and if I'm J.C. Treader, I mean, he's I, I just looked it up. He's 32, or he's going to be 32. Uh, if I'm him, do I want to come play for the Giants? Like, if I'm him, I probably want to go and play for a team that could compete for a Super Bowl this year. And yeah. he's a guy that is probably going to have a, at least a couple of teams that are bidding for his services. I mean, he's been a good offensive lineman in the NFL. And like you said, I think this team, it's about more building up the youth, finding what you have, the younger players on this offensive line, and starting to build something. A guy like J.C. Treader for me, even though he'd definitely be an improvement over what we have, I don't view him as a long-term solution on this offensive line. And the New York Giants don't have the cap space probably to sign him anyway. So yeah, I've seen a lot of people bring that up, but I don't think it's going to happen. I'd be surprised. Yeah, I'm with you on that. All right. Dustin has a question for you, Chris. Any other any players after this year you would extend with Thomas if he is healthy? Yeah, well, Thomas for sure. And I've said that countless times. Like if he if he remains healthy this year, I think the rule is you have to play three years um before you get an extension at right. least your first round pick so right i've had this year circled for like two years as to when the giants have to extend andrew thomas provided he stays healthy because it's a long-term position you know he's going to be a guy on the team for a long time but outside of him uh no i mean right now no I, i'd probably say no because the only guys they've brought in uh with the new regime have been the guys they drafted so obviously you're not extending them quite yet maybe McKinney uh, if you could get a cost-effective deal I'm not going to sign McKinney for top tier safety money uh, on an extension I think he has more to prove and it's not a position of it's not the most important position on a defense so unless McKinney has a great year okay then I then I start to at least explore that but going into the year the only guy that I'm completely sold on if he stays healthy that I'm extending is Andrew Thomas yeah I think and you know look you also got to look ahead because cap planning and cap management, it's not just one year at a time. It's if you could get these guys down and just, it, it's an interesting exercise, you know, trying to fit guys in. Now the, the good news is obviously the cap's going to go up starting and by a lot, I might add uh, starting next year because the new TV revenue kicks in, but you have to kind of balance it. It's, it, it's, it's tough because, you know, you're going to have, to make a decision on quarterback, you're going to have to make a decision on, you know, Saquon. So, you, you know, you might not have enough money if you start shelling out a lot of big bucks to these guys, you know, you gotta, you gotta balance it and figure out 
how you're going to fit all these guys in so that you don't have a scenario like what the Giants got themselves into where, you know, last year they signed all these guys to to low one-year deals or, or low, de- low, excuse me, they signed all these guys to deals where the first year was low and now right. all of a sudden, boom, it, it the second year and third year triple and quadruple. That's how you screw up your cap. So it is a a, uh, a balancing act. And, um, you know, I, I don't think Kevin Abrams, I, I'm trying to think, is he doing the cap now? I think he is. I think he's back to doing the cap. I can't remember. I remember that they, they I think he is. I can't what, remember exactly what his yeah. role is. But I, I can't believe there were people pushing for Kevin Abrams to get an interview as the GM. I, I almost flipped out. Uh, I was so happy when the Giants <laughs> didn't bring him in. I mean, the guy couldn't even do that job right. Well, in, fa- in fairness, Chris, and, and this 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 was the problem I had with Abrams, who nice guy, by the way, but you got the impression that he wanted to become a general manager, and as such, in order to become a general manager, he kind of, from what I understand, pushed off some of the cap work to other guys in the organization so that he could focus on scouting. And given how the scouting process kind of went, it's like. You know, th- there's an old saying, know what you know and, and, you know, stick with what you're good at. Kevin Abrams managing the cap has been historically good. Now, that said, I go and I look at how Buffalo has managed their cap and some of the creativity they have done with their cap. And I sit there and I say, why couldn't the Giants do this with some of their big contracts that they sign guys to? Like, for example, Josh Allen, you look at that contract. That's a structured, guaranteed tier type of deal, mm-hmm. which fits their cap perfectly because, you know, they, they they basically give them guaranteed money in tiers. All right. Each year he has to meet a certain criteria. That's the way to do it. That, that prevents you from being locked into paying 20 million guaranteed in one, one year. And Oh, you don't know if the guy's going to be any good or not. I mean, and, and I sit there and I say, why couldn't the giants do this? You know, you look at the high workout bonus amounts, which, which is a great way to, to help, you know, push more money towards the player's uh, pocket and reduce your overall liability. I, I just sit there and, you know, like I said, Buffalo figured it out. Why couldn't the Giants figure some of these things out? out. The, the Rams are great yeah. with it too. I mean, even, I hate to say it, the Cowboys are good with it. Uh, the way that they've managed their cap over the last five, six years, they've done a good job with some of the contracts they've signed and the way that they've, they've signed their contracts, even though the Zeke contract's coming back to bite them. But Oh, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, the uh, the Giants have not done a good. Oh, not every everything has been wrong with the Giants. So when they made a change, <laughs> start over. Uh, so I'm glad that they did. Yes, agree. All right. Uh, let's see. This is Stringling the Art Law. What happened with Kayvon's injury at OTAs? All right. So for those who um, aren't aware, Kayvon has been in a, a red jersey since Monday. Mm-hmm. Right. There's no OTA today. Uh, they're off today. They've got a long weekend. Um, what happened, I believe was at the Thursday practice, not this past Thursday, but Thursday before something, he came up, uh, lame, something with the, with the hip hamstring area. I mean, we couldn't really tell exactly what happened, went off to a trainer on the side. Um, he wasn't carted off. He stood there, you know, for the rest of the practice, this was towards the end of the practice, Mm -hmm. but didn't return. Now, here's the thing. At yesterday's OTA, and I'm not saying this to raise panic, so please, folks, do not panic here because it's only May 27th. But yesterday at OTAs, there were two guys on the bike during warm-up. 
and Kayvon was one of them. All right. Um, Evans, uh, the defensive back, an undrafted free agent, I think was the other one. So that kind of got my attention. Now, that said, um, Dable was asked about that. He, he's like, you know, what's, this, what's the status here? Dable did not sound concerned. And again, it's May 27th. You know, we're, we're potentially two months away from the start of training camp. So whatever it is, why push this kid to, to go out there? You know, if anything, you want to see if you can get him on the field for the uh, mandatory mini camp. But if he can't, let him sit and let him be 100% so that when he shows up for training camp, he's ready to go. Yeah. So that's my take there. I'm not reading too much into it. I, I think we've seen, I, at least I've seen since I've been on YouTube, because I obviously follow the team even more closely than I did before I had a YouTube channel. Um, people overreact to things at this point in the year because there's nothing to talk about. So a lot of what you're going to hear and read is going to be clickbait, to be as honest as I could possibly be. Um, people are going to blow things out of proportion that don't need to be blown out of proportion. I'm not, I'm not going to panic over this. I'm not going to go crazy over this. Everything I read, it sounded like a minor ankle injury, and the Giants are just being cautious, as they should be. Like you said, there's no reason to rush it. They're not even in pads right now. This is more so him just getting acclimated to the scheme, what he's going to want to do, uh, you know, in Don Wink Martindale's scheme. So I'm not going to go crazy about it. Uh, let him rest. Don't don't risk further damaging the, the minor injury. But to me, it sounds minor. It's not. It's nothing I'm worried about. Yeah, I'm with you on that. All right, Dwayne Lowry. Any update on the guy OC brought in? How's the new scheme looking at both sides of the ball? All right, Roy. And, you know, I asked him. I asked him how to pronounce his name, and he told me. He says it's three syllables. I still can't manage it correctly, so I'm going to just call him Roy for the time being. Um, I did introduce myself to him because, you know, OC back in the day, and even to this day, OC's one of my guys. I always got along well with OC, uh, always treated me well. Um, you know, OC, funny story. I think I impressed OC because the first time I met him, I went up to him. Not only could I pronounce his name correctly, I could spell it. And he goes, wow, you're the first person in the media who was able to do that. <laughs> so that's my goal with Roy to, is to, to learn how to pronounce the names right. Well, how do you I know. Play, what is it? Mabateka? Like, how do you pronounce I don't even know how to pronounce it right now. He he, he said it's three uh, syllables. Mabateka? Something. I, 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 I got to go back and look it up. I, I wrote it down in one of my notes because um, I, I wrote it out phonetically. But, you know, no secret. Sometimes I can be bad with pronunciations of last names. And I admit That's that. And I'm man. working on that, folks. I am. I, I know that annoys some of you. But I do try to work work well, you know, work at that. Because I know I, I kind of cringe when people batch my last name when it's when I think it's so simple to pronounce. I've had people call me Triena, uh, Trina, you know, and I'm like... It's Trina. It's pronounced how it looks, you know? So uh, I am working on that. But um, to answer your question, uh, Dwayne, um, he's a developmental prospect, raw, but oh my gosh, a big, big dude. Six foot nine. He's a, oh, he is. So, I was like, hey, how, you know, like, I'm <laughs> well, looking speaking, up there, like, big. hey, how's the atmosphere? That, you know? So he was like, but a really sweet guy. Um, OC spoke, you know, very highly of him. He's very optimistic that he's got a tool set that can be developed, but he's a developmental prospect. Um, you're not going to be able to tell much about the offensive line prospects right now until the pads go on. That's how it is every year. 
um, in the spring. You can you can look at fundamentals, and quite honestly, a lot of times the offensive linemen are way back on the backfield. So unless you have super high-powered binoculars, you're not going to see a whole lot as far as technique, especially when they go off into the corner behind the building, which is where the blocking sleds and all the stuff are. But that being said, you know, there's optimism about the young man. So, um, you know, I'm curious to see how he looks. I hope he gets an opportunity. And I think they're, they're going to to try and develop him because he, he is, he's he got size. And let me tell you something. His arms are the size, the thickness of tree trunks. I was like, wow. Hey, I mean, you, you, look at, you look at the guy the uh, Eagles brought in. He was a developmental guy. And now mm-hmm. he's one of the better tackles in football. So, I like you said, I don't expect any impact on this year's roster. I think yeah. he's a guy you you stick on the practice squad, you try to develop him, and maybe he is somebody that in the future turns into at least a guy that could help you on the in terms of depth on the line, or maybe he becomes a starter. It's gonna be tough for him to become a starter though with the two tackles that we have. But speaking about massive, Evan Neal is ginormous. And the more videos I see of this guy, the more I'm just like in awe. And I need I need you to take a picture when you get an opportunity at one of these OTAs. I need a picture of Evan Neal next to Wondell Robinson. I need to see that. I, I think it'd be hysterical. <laughs> but the more I see about of Evan Neal, the more I get excited. Like I'm buying his jersey this week. I love Evan Neal. I cannot wait to see him on the football field. Six foot eight. This guy's gigantic. And and he's super athletic for a guy his size. He is. Oh my gosh. And by the way, I might be running a, a giveaway on on a you pick your giant jersey thing. So just I'm waiting to get approval on that. But fingers crossed that that comes through because I want to do something for my followers and, and listeners on the Lock On podcast. So uh, details to come on that once we finalize all that stuff. But uh, now regarding the question about the scheme, too soon to tell because they're not in pads. You know, you do see some stuff like, for example, I've seen some very creative looking defensive alignments that I don't recall seeing in the past. Um you see a lot more of the amoeba concept where guys are just kind of milling around the, the line of scrimmage and you, you don't know who's coming, who's going and whatnot. Um, on offense, I've seen them line, for example, um, Saquon Barkley up all over the formation. I Like I mentioned, a lot of pre-snap motion. Uh, so those are some of the, the, the noticeable differences that I've seen. Now, you know, scheme is going to depend, obviously, on the opponent and, and stuff, but this is not, you know, your grandfather's Giants team. This is a, a, I think, you know, a lot of people said, oh, the Giants got to get with the current century here with with regards to their schemes. Uh, folks, I think they're going to be there this year. I can't wait. I That's what I'm most excited about. Um, the, the, the difference in the offensive uh, philosophy, the new scheme. That's this year's team. That's what I'm most looking forward to. Specifically, the guy you mentioned, Saquon Barkley. Mm-hmm. I cannot wait to see. How Mike Kafka and Brian Dable use Saquon Barkley? Because I think he's a guy that you could get a lot more creative with than the New York Giants have done uh, since he's been in a New York Giant uniform. So I'm excited to see that for sure. I think he's going to have a I, – I keep saying it. Maybe I'll look like a fool. If there was one guy I think is going to have a huge year this year on the offense, I think it's him. I agree with you. And the way – from what I've seen, the little bits and pieces of this offense, the way it's set up, I'm excited. If Barkley stays healthy, he's going to ball out this year. Big yep. if, I get it, but I could see this guy, you know, because look, you know, people say, well, you know, up in Buffalo, Dayball didn't really use, he, he got away from the run a lot. Did he have a guy like Barkley with Barkley's skill set up there? I don't think he did. And I think they're going to use him a lot as a pass catcher. Yes, I I could see that. I could see 
almost an even number of, of past targets and, and carries for Barkley. I could see that being a possibility because I think Barkley is going to do. I'm not saying identical, but I don't expect Barkley just to have screen passes and wheel routes out of the backfield. I think they're going to use him in a similar fashion to what we envisioned Evan Ingram as yes. like a mismatch yes. guy over the middle mm-hmm. of the field with linebackers. I think they're going to get creative. I don't think you're just going to see him used as a running back out of the backfield in terms of catching balls. I think they're going to line him out wide. I think they're going to put him in the slot. They're going to find ways to create mismatches with Barkley. And I'm really, I'm really excited to see how they use him. Yeah. I'm with you on that. And I do think slot is, 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 you know, we did see some slot uh, action for Barkley. I mean, all over. Why limit him? I mean, look, you know, with this offense, the impression I get is they're only limited by their imagination. And yep. that's the t- that's what the spring is all about. Figure, you know, experiment, figure out who looks good where, and just see, just see what, what you got. If something works, if something doesn't work, you throw it out and you, and, and you replace it with something else. That's how I see it at any rate. That's so. basically what Dable said. He said he's going to yeah. work on the strength of his players, which – We'll see it. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see what he identifies as the strength of these players. Yeah. All right. Uh, Skyler Big Red Shaw. Did you guys read articles about a former GM saying the Giants picks weren't all that great, etc.? You know what, Skyler? Everybody's entitled to an opinion. It doesn't make it gospel. I think I know what article you're referring to, but you know these can, can these guys get on the field first, and yeah. before we, we we kill them and say that that you know they're not good or they're not athletic or they're not this, they're not that. I mean, I, I just, I don't put a lot of stock in this stuff. I really don't. It almost sounds like sour grapes. And you know, is, is it a case of the former GM being sour because he's not with an NFL team? I don't know. I don't know the, the, the motivation here, but I don't, I, I take this stuff with a grain of salt to be honest with you. Yeah. I, I saw it today. I think somebody added me on it. I think it was an article that uh, Dan Duggan wrote, if I'm not mistaken. And it was a, like you said, it was an unnamed source. And the guy basically came out and said that um, they don't have the, the, the ceiling that some fans may anticipate. And listen, everybody's entitled to their opinions. No matter who the prospect is, you're always going to get conflicting opinions. Nobody's ever going to be in total agreement about a, a said prospect. Um, now, do I think Kayvon Thibodeau, like he kind of talked about how, Thibodeau may not necessarily have the ceiling of a guy like Miles Garrett. I kind of agree with that. I, but that's pretty much any edge rusher. Like, Miles Garrett is a freak of nature. Do I think Kayvon Thibodeau is still really good and has the potential to be a really good edge rusher in the NFL? Probably even a great edge rusher, 100%. He said in the article that he thinks he'll be a 6-8 to eight sack guy consistently but doesn't see much more than that. I disagree. I think he could be more than that. Um, as far as Evan Neal, I mean, how could you look at Evan Neal Go back and look at some some of the things that this guy has done. The guy, the thing that jumped out to me, I forgot what it was, but it was like a vertical jumping exercise that I saw on Twitter. The guy jumped like three feet in the air. The guy's like six foot eight for a man of his size. He moves pretty damn good. So I'm going to disagree with that guy's opinion. Um, I'm not going to say he has Miles Garrett athletic ability because he's just like a god. <laughs> but I think Thibodeau's got everything you need to be a really successful edge rusher in the NFL. He's got speed. He's got strength. He needs to, you know, refine his game like a lot of rookies do when they when they enter the NFL. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to disagree. I think he has a much higher ceiling than that than that guy let on. You're you're muted. I don't know if it's me or you, but you're you're muted on my end. Let me ask the chat. Can you hear me or can you hear Pat? Because I can't hear Pat right now. <laughs> Let me ask the chat. 
I'll wait. I'll wait till I get some responses here. Uh, but, 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 uh, just let us know in the chat, guys. Uh, she went away, so now it's just me on on uh, Patricia Trainer's channel. Uh, she is muted. Tommy says so. She'll be right back in. She just left. Now you see like half my face. I'm here. I'm here. What's going on, Danvers Singh, man? What's going on there, Gib? What's going on there, Sedan? What's going on there, Hamnet? What's going on, Mary? Uh, JC Silva. She'll be right back. Carlos in the chat. I'll answer your questions on uh, while she's waiting. And now I've got my own. Look at this. I've got my own uh, video. Oh, my God. This is great. I just took over Patricia Trainer's channel. So welcome to <laughs> Locked on New York Giants. Joe Shane Train says she is muted. She should be coming back in any second. What's going on there, Carlos, man? What's going on there, Sedan? Um, I can't pull the, the comments up, but I can read them. Keep Slayton, him and DJ have good chemistry. The improved O-line and coaching staff will make things better for players. I think I think they I think they need to keep Slayton. I've said that countless times. I think we're really thin at the wide receiver position. So that's my opinion on the matter. I know a lot of Giants fans want to be rid of him, but um, I think he's fine as a fourth or fifth option. Uh, we good. The football awareness is in the building, so we will see results. Um, we have been seeing them already. I hope so, man. How are you feeling about our punter? I don't know much about him. I, I think the Giants need to bring in more competition, though, at that spot for sure. Um, I was – no, I shouldn't say surprised. Um, but I, I was hoping maybe we, we would draft the punter in the sixth round. But um, we, we have a lot of needs on this team. But I think they'll bring in more competition there. But I don't know a whole lot about them. But uh, we certainly need an upgrade there. We sucked uh, at punting the last couple of years. Uh, let's see. You're a star, Chris. Nice hack. <laughs> What's going on, Davey? Uh, oh, I think she's back, maybe. Okay. Yeah, I hear you now. I Can you hear me? Yeah. yeah. Okay, sorry about that. I get every once in a while, this happens when I do a long, long show. I apologize, folks. Um, something got loose, and I don't know what the heck happened. It's just, it's just I get a message okay, saying, to me. the microphone is not too. working. So I'm like, oh, wonderful. So, but I'm here. I'm here. So. Thank you, Chris, for holding down the fort. We were we were only going to go another fifteen minutes or so anyway, because I'm like I'm pushing my luck with this thing until I get until I uh, <laughs> until I get back on on schedule. I really got to make you your own like like thing there, because the only other thing, thing I have is the Giants Country one, because I use this for Giants Country as well. Yeah. And I'm like I don't have. I, I should get you your own screen. <laughs> a ta a and trainer screen or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Let me see something. I can hear you now. Hold on. All right. Can you hear me? Uh, I think so. Let me just turn off the volume here. All right. Can I see? Let me see, That's Chris. Cool, dude. Chris, cool. Chris, you can hear me? I hear you. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. I can hear you now. Okay. All right. So, yeah, that, that got screwy. So, anyway, I apologize, folks. Thank you for your patience. Um. Okay, so let's see. Oh, I got Flato on there. Jesus, I'm sorry. Let me change that. Oh, you got my. Oh, oh that's right. I, I didn't. I see didn't that. even notice that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh my gosh, I am so sorry. Oh, it's okay. We're we're back. We'll, we'll we'll rebound. Sometimes these things go off without a hitch, and sometimes stuff. That's what's fun about live, though. <laughs> I, remember, I remember when I first started going live, I used to like be upset and nervous anytime like something you know went a little wrong and people understand people people enjoy that it, it brings some authenticity i i think people like it when it screws up just a little bit not a lot just yeah. a little bit <laughs> oh gosh i mean at this point i just laugh at it it's like you know i used, i used to freak out and you know oh goodness but anyway we are still here so um chris i did want to ask you in, in these remaining you know time that we have 
what, you know, based on what you've see, seen, heard and whatnot, is there an area you're still particularly worried about this team? Something that, you, you know, you just don't feel as, as settled as it should be? Oh, there's a lot of places on this team I don't think is as settled as it should be going in. Um, I have question marks on a lot of spots on this roster right now going into the year in terms of, you know, being completely developed. I, I think the interior offensive line is still a question mark. I think there's going to be competition there. We talked about cornerback two. That is still one of my biggest concerns. The other safety spot, we'll see how Julian Love does. I think in the middle, I think there's minor concerns everywhere, but I'm excited to see how this defense develops with Don Wink Martindale. I'm, I'm even a little bit cautious about Wink, to be honest with you. I know a lot of Giants fans are on the hype train. They're in love with him, and I'm excited about him. I'm really excited about him. Whenever you bring in a defensive coordinator like that, uh, I think it should bring excitement because he's going to be ultra aggressive. But at the same time, do I have some concerns? Yeah. Is he going to be too aggressive at times? Um, we'll see. So I definitely have concerns, but I think that's that's going to be part of this season is is finding finding out what this team, the best parts about this team and building upon that in the future. So, um, yeah, I've got concerns all over this roster. I, I think the two spots where we're strongest are the tackle and the edge, which is the most important positions outside of uh, the quarterback. And one, one guy we didn't talk much about on this podcast that I'm really excited about going into next year is Aziz Oljolari. If there is one guy on this roster that I think could have a breakout year, 12 sacks, 13 sacks, not saying I'm predicting that, but it's possible and I could see it. It's him. The guy looks like the Hulk. Now he's got some help. He's got a, he's got a friend on the other side with Kayvon Thibodeau and he's got a blitz heavy scheme. Um, I think Aziz Oljolari could have a breakout year this year. He's a guy I'm really excited about in this defense. You know, you, I think it was Papa Gulto who, who asked, is 50 sacks possible for this Giants team? You know, because you, you, in addition to Thibodeau and, and uh, Ojolari, you also have Leonard Williams. Um, yep. you, you're going to have uh, some, some rotational guys brought in there. You know, Ellerson Smith, let's see where he fits in. Um, you know, you're going to have guys blitzing probably from, from the defensive secondary. Do you think 50 sacks is, is uh, plausible for this team? Uh, that's asking a lot. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at, I, I pulled up the stats last year just to see, I mean, only three teams last year at 50 sacks. That was the Rams, the Vikings and the Steelers. Um, Wink's team, the Ravens actually only had 34. We with the same as us. Um, so no, I'm not going to go that far. I don't think we're going to have 50 sacks. That's, that's asking a lot, but do I think we could have maybe 42, 43? Sure. I mean, the year before I'm looking at it, we had, uh, how many did we have? We had, uh, I just lost it, but I think we had close to 40, if I'm not mistaken, or even a little bit more than 40 uh, the year before. I remember talking about that. So uh, I could see somewhere closer to that. 50 sacks is asking a lot. You're talking top three in the league. So I yeah. doubt that, but I, I do think I, I, here's what I'll say. I think between Thibodeau and his old Jalari, I could see, I could see 20 sacks between those two. Um, I'm going to predict more like 16, but I could see 20 uh, be- between that duo for sure. If I had to put a number on sack total, assuming everybody's healthy and everything clicks, I could see around 40 altogether. Uh, that's probably I think, where I'd have it. I'd I think 40 is like realistic. 22. 50 is kind of pushing it, I think. Yeah, that's that's asking a lot. Um, yeah. But I, I could see low 40s for sure. I could see low 40s. Yeah. And, and, you know, we didn't mention Quincy Roche, by the way, who, you know. He got into a fight yesterday. Right? Yes, I know. I saw. With, him and Corey uh, Cunningham. Uh, I, think, I think Roche Corey, lost his helmet. Corey uh, Cunningham, right? Corey Cunningham, yep. Yeah. Who, you don't see that very often in OTAs because, you know, there's no contact. But 
I like that. I like when my team fights. You want well, that you, little bit of aggression. I, I like that. I, some well, fans don't. I like that. Well, actually, you know, and I made the comment yesterday, I think on Twitter and also my, my Giants country report, it showed intensity. A lot of times, you know, you go, you, you watch these OTAs and they sleepwalk, you know, yeah. and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just everybody's learning. Everybody's getting used to each other. So they're not playing as quickly and with the intensity that they would be if, if it were a padded practice or a game. And to me, and this kind of ties in with uh, Dwayne's question here about overall assessment of OTA so far. Now I've only seen two Dwayne, but I will say this. I feel that the Giants are, you know, they're, they're practicing with intensity, but not to the point where they're ready to, to you know, take each other's heads off. You know what I mean? It, it, it's like there's a purpose nobody's sleepwalking you know they're learning but it's it's like you learn a new skill and it's like oh you can't wait to try it out it's it's kind of the same thing there's there's an enthusiasm you can feel the energy i mean i've made this this observation not just from from the players just in general when i walk into that building nobody's walking on eggshells it's very laid back it's relaxed it's there's a lot of energy positive energy there's a lot of optimism. Um, you know, could you say the same thing for Joe Judge when he first got here? And yeah, but but also with Judge, and it's interesting because I think somebody asked me this earlier. Um, Joe was wound a little too tight. He was very um, focused. It's like when he would come up to the podium for his pressers, and I always used to make this observation. It sounded like, like you ever hear those car commercials where the, the guy reading the boilerplate? It sounded pretty good. It yes. Like yes. No. Dable's not like that. Dable, you know, makes cracks. It kind of, you know, it's like if he could sit at a table with his feet up on the table, leaning back with a cigar, smoking and doing doing a, a press. I think he would do that if he could. That's yeah, I mean, listen, I think a lot of us, myself included, got hyped about Judge. We got bought into the initial press conference and and and. Uh, we took the us against the world mentality his first year here, and because you're excited, you got a new coach. But uh, Dable is the complete opposite, and and as how badly things worked out with Judge, when something doesn't work one way, you you like to go the you know you like to go in a completely opposite direction, and it is completely opposite. Like you yes. said with Joe Judge, it seemed like he spoke in the mirror for like a hundred times before he prepared his speech and said, "This is what I'm going to say." Dable, like I've said, I think with you a couple of times is. I feel like he's like me when I go on YouTube and like, I don't know what the hell I'm going to say. Like he just goes to the podium and he's like, all right, next question. What's going on? And he yeah. just, he just says what's on his mind. So I, I think, you know, from what we've had the last two years and how poorly things worked out, I think that's refreshing to have a, a completely different dynamic uh, with our head coach for sure. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, look, I can remember, and, and I'm not, again, I'm not knocking, Joe for this because Tom used to do it. Um, ben McAdoo used to do it, but they would come to the podium with a, a, a piece of paper with the points that they wanted to make. Right. I have yet to see Dable come to the podium with anything other than his practice plan in his hand, which he tucks in his back pocket. So it's like, sometimes you just kind of have to go with the flow. And, you know, some coaches, I know they like to be prepared. They, they, they might go to the PR staff and say, Okay, what do you think I'm going to be asked today so that I know what to say? I don't know if Dave will 
does that. I mean, he kind of just comes and he's like, okay, whatever they throw at me, I'll just, you know, I can answer it or I can't answer, you know, that's kind of like, you know, what, whatever happens, happens, you know, that kind of approach. But there have been coaches that have, have consulted with PR as to, okay, what, what are, what do you think the topic du jour is going to be so that they come prepared? Right. I've seen it. All right. And he's um, not like that. What's that? He's not like that. I don't get that impression. No. Now, do the, yeah. does the PR staff maybe as a courtesy say, Hey coach, you know, just a heads up. They, the media might ask you about A, B, C, and D. I'm sure they do. That's part of their job. But I, I don't think Dave will take that and says, okay, I've got to stand in front of the bathroom mirror for 10 minutes and practice what I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah. No, I definitely don't get that impression about Dave at all. Yeah. But I mean, pretty laid back. Now, again, here's the thing, folks. We are in the honeymoon period right now. And I know that. Chris, I know you know that. I think everybody knows that. This team has to start producing. This team has to start, um, you know, turning Winnie. things around. Winning. Otherwise, all this this positivity, this you know, the energy, everything we're talking about here, isn't going to mean squat nope. if the team just looks like a disorganized mess. I don't think they will. I'm optimistic. I've said this many times on the show that I am optimistic going in every year. But you know, you got to see how it unfolds. It's about results. It's a results-driven business. Um, I do think Dable's going to get a little bit of wiggle room, as he should. Um, you know, he's, he inherited a mess in terms of the cap situation and, and a team with a lot of injury problems. So I don't think most giant fans are going to expect them to make the playoffs this year, but we're going to want to see progress specifically over the second half of the season and then building upon off of that. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I think if, if you didn't learn that with Joe judge, you're never going to learn it. I mean, Joe judge was the toast of the town with giant fans after his first year, a lot of giants fans were super excited about him. And the next year things went up in flames and, He's out of a job. So uh, hopefully history doesn't repeat itself because we've been through way too many coaches way too quickly uh, in recent history. You think back before that, Coughlin was here for what, like 10 years or thereabouts, even a little bit more, I think. Uh, uh, Jim Fossil was here for almost a decade. Um, and since then, it's been two years, two years, two years. So hopefully we break that trend. I do think I would be sh – I, I shouldn't say shocked. I'd be very surprised if Dable doesn't see at least – three years because to me it seems like a package deal uh between him and Shane and I think Shane is getting three years for sure which means I think Dable's getting three years for me Shermer was not really a guy that was connected to Gettleman so like this to me seems like a package deal this was the guy that Shane wanted from the beginning so I think no matter what Dable's getting three years um we just hope his fans he gets a lot more than that because that means the team's starting to move in the right direction yeah and then one other important thing to note about Dable unlike Joe Judge Dable has experienced, I think, some um, adversity in his career. Joe Judge, if you think about it, working for Saban, you know, always had a successful program, I think, or for the most part, had a successful program. Mm -hmm. Belichick mostly had successful programs, okay? Joe really, I don't think, was exposed to the type of adversity that maybe Dable was in his career from, from jumping around. And then the other Dable thing- got, Dable got sent back to college. Right. And the other thing I like about Dable is that he's worked for different systems. Mm -hmm. He's not, you know, whereas Joe was that saving Belichick. That's all he knows. It's kind of like the problem I had with McAdoo. All McAdoo knew was McCarthy. It helps when, I, when the coach, you know, is familiar with different systems or, or is exposed to different systems because 
not everybody handles things the same way. And I just did not feel that, you know, when, when, when stuff popped up, I did not feel that, that Joe was equipped prepared. to deal with it as well. He as wasn't he prepared. Could. He wasn't prepared. You know, and, 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 maybe he'll, may, and hopefully he learns from that and becomes, he becomes a better coach in the future, which I think he definitely can be. I think judge was really smart, but he wasn't prepared for this job. I think that was pretty apparent uh, towards the end yeah. of the year. Yeah, unfortunately. I mean, I, I think he's, he's he can be a great coach in the future, but yeah, I do too. You know, he, he went back to Belichick. So, you know, he's going to continue to 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 learn at the Masters, you know, heel, so to speak. And, um, you know, I hope he I hope he succeeds. I like Joe. I, I, I had nothing against Joe as a person. I think he he was legitimately, you know, good towards his players. He tried to, to be helpful. Um Unlike I can I can't say the same thing about you know some of the other coaches that have come in between Coughlin and and, and Dable, but you know McAdoo didn't seem like the nicest guy. You know I got along well with McAdoo. You like McAdoo? I I I, I told you the story what happened with McAdoo. Oh, you did tell me. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Now did McAdoo? I got a question for you. Did McAdoo's personality change when he went from the mushroom cut to the slick back cut? Yes. Because when he had the slick back cut. He, I felt like he felt like he was like Mr. New York and Joe Cool. The mushroom cut, I felt like he was like, the you know, he, that was the real McAdoo. And then he tried to change his persona the second year. Yes. He, you know, I I got along with Ben. I kind of understood where Ben was coming from. But I do think by his second year, he had started to read and believe his press clippings. And that's when you started. Because remember, you had... Um, Frazier the lion and all this other stuff that he was throwing out and I'm sitting there going dude these are 20 something year old guys they don't you know I'm like come on man there's got to be a better approach than this right and I I never got that so but yeah and and then Shermer I just I, I you weren't never, a Shermer fan you weren't a Shermer fan I couldn't warm up to him and I don't yeah. I, I mean I told you I think I told you the other story. You tell me story, yeah. Yeah, I I'm full of stories. <laughs> but 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 no, it's true. It's it's like I, I just couldn't warm up to the guy. And believe it or not, Shermer, you know, starting with, with McAdoo, McAdoo started kind of like a trend where the media would come in and we would have like one on ones either in person or on the phone with with um, the coaches, you know, kind of like a get to know you type thing. So I got one with McAdoo. <clears throat> excuse me. I didn't get one with Shermer. Apparently, I wasn't on the list to, to get one with Shermer, which I, I still don't understand to this day because I was, you know, I was a regular beat writer by then. I got one with Judge, you know, to be determined with Dable. I think that they're going to do them, if they do them at all, uh, it's going to be after the, the mini camp. But Shermer, I just, I, I don't know, man. I just could not get in. It's like every time I asked him something, he kind of looked at me like I had two heads or something. Really? And I had. I don't think my questions were bad. I thought they were legitimate. I'm sure they were. So I don't know. Maybe I, I, I you know, and I even tried the hey, you know, you can't forget my name because we're both Pats, you know. So, <laughs> so much for that, right? But anyway, all right, everybody, uh, we got to wrap this up because I got to jump, unfortunately. Uh, otherwise, I'd sit here and we, we would talk some more. Now that I got this microphone stuff fixed, so Chris, I want to thank you as always for coming on. Everybody, want to thank you all for tuning in. Uh, next Monday is Memorial Day, so I don't think I'm going to have a show Monday, but I will be back Tuesday, obviously, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I saw somebody say uh, that they like the, the special guests that I've been coming that I've had on uh, to talk about the draft picks. 
I'm still trying to get somebody from Kentucky. Man, that has been a that's been tough to get somebody from Kentucky to come on and talk about Wandale Robinson and yeah. Yusuf Corker, who's a guy I definitely want to talk about. But I'm gonna keep trying. Um, and I think I need the only other one I don't think I did was Daniel Bellinger. So I'm st I'm, I'm still working on all that stuff. But we've got plenty more coming up, obviously, on the Locked On Giants podcast. Also on Giants Country, make sure you check stuff out there. We're going to launch our training camp preview series over there. And Chris, you and I, hopefully we'll get back together after the, um, the mandatory mini camp and we'll start breaking down, uh, you know, where things are, where things are headed. And then we'll get yeah, brought off into the summer. That's kind of when I'll start putting out content once, you know, like you said, the mandatory mini camp and training camp starts to get into the fold. I'm definitely going to be attending training camp, hopefully multiple days this year. So uh, really looking forward to that. Really looking forward to this upcoming season. I saw uh, Dwayne say, Tana, you think we could surprise the Titans week one, then not knowing what to expect. That's wishful thinking. I hope you're right. I'm wrong. Um, I, I'll speak briefly on that matchup real quick, Dwayne. I don't like that matchup. I think I, I don't think it's the right type of team for the New York Giants to face week one. It's on the road. You're going up against an experienced team with an experienced coach. Um, but maybe the the element of surprise will you know will surprise them. Who knows? I don't think the Titans are incredible. I think they overachieved last year in terms of being a, a number one seed in the AFC. They lost AJ Brown. We'll see. Um, it all comes down to stop at Derrick Henry. So. That'll be that'll obviously be the focal point of that game, but I don't like the matchup uh, week one. But you never know. Um, mm -hmm. But I appreciate you having me on. Always have a lot a, a lot of fun uh, talking Giants with you, uh, and definitely should have some more Giants content up in the coming weeks for, for uh, on my channel. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the season, and and let's go Giants. And just real quick, Joe Shane Train. I don't know uh, Bad Dog. I know Chris, you've had him on, but I'd be up for if he's if he's willing to come on. I'd be willing to do it. You know, have yeah. him on. Maybe we'll have, maybe maybe when we start doing our show again, we'll have you on or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Just just to kind of like break the eyes. I mean, I think I know who he is, but I I got to be honest with you. I, I I don't even know if he follows me on Twitter. So I mean, I he's not very active on Twitter. Oh, he's not. Okay. Yeah. Right. But yeah, active. I mean, I've I've heard a lot. You know. A lot of you have said that Bad Dog is also pretty good to have on, on the program. So, listen, I'm all about bringing on people who produce quality content. I don't care if you're media, not media. You know, you guys as fans have probably just as good, if not better opinions than those of us, quote unquote, in the know. So I'm all for it. Um, and hopefully we can make it happen. Yeah, for sure. Like I said, we start doing a weekly show. um, I'm guessing probably a week or two before August, and maybe maybe we'll, maybe we'll have you on one of those and or something like that. So all right, yeah, I'm down. Yeah, for we'll, it. we'll figure something out. We'll figure something. I out. am down for it. All right, everybody, thank you again for tuning in, and thank you, Chris. Thank you, Papa Guzzo, and thank you everybody who participated in the chat. We will be back here on the Lock On Giants podcast Tuesday. Happy Memorial Day weekend, everybody. Be safe, and we'll catch you next week.